This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. What hurt a lot of that growth recently was the death of my mom and my my friend Kevin. After they died, I didn't feel like moving on anymore. I, I just wanted to I wanted to, I wanted to quit comedy. I wanted to quit acting, and I wanted to I kind of wanted to quit life at one point. Like I wanted mm. to die. Like I just wanted to. I was done. I'm your host, Casey Finey, and this is Creative Conversation, a Fast Company podcast. Ever since actor and comedian Jermaine Fowler saw Eddie Murphy's iconic 1987 stand-up special, Raw, he knew he found his lane. And I think most people would agree that he chose correctly. Jermaine has had success in TV shows including CBS's Superior Donuts and in films as well, starring in Sorry to Bother You and perhaps his biggest break to date and a full circle moment to boot, the sequel to Coming to America where he plays Eddie Murphy's estranged son. But what's been missing in Jermaine's career lately is what got him into entertainment in the first place, stand-up comedy. Jermaine gained attention in the New York City stand-up circuit and eventually landed his own Showtime comedy special in 2015. But just a few years later, he suffered a really devastating one-two blow with his mom passing away, and just a year later, his friend and frequent collaborator Kevin Barnett passed away as well. As you heard in the open of the show, and as you'll hear later in the episode, Jermaine is still very much dealing with his losses, but he's found a way to channel his grief into art in the form of an upcoming Showtime special he's calling, quote, hilariously dark and funny as shit, end quote. In this episode, Jermaine explains what pushed him back on stage, how he moves past rejection, and what he's learned from working with greats like Eddie Murphy and Whoopi Goldberg. All right, Jermaine, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Nah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, too. Uh, So, you know, when you look at where you are now, I mean, what what set all of this in motion? What was that moment or realization that put you on the path to becoming the comedian and actor that we know and love today? Know and love? Thank you, man. I mean, come on. I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. (laughs) I appreciate that a lot. Thank you very much, man. Well, I I don't think it was just one event. It was a buildup of a lot of things. You know, I have to take in consideration where I was raised, how I grew up, who I was around. Um, And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I've always been in the movies. I've always been very creative. I used to put on like uh, puppet shows for my sister when we were younger. I used to find like shiny garbage around the neighborhood and- Shiny garbage? Yeah. (laughs) Like- Such ass. Just crap people threw away that look cool, I would like take that, uh, like whether it's like old fake jewelry that was on the ground or, you know, somebody's, you know, earring or- uh, Right, 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 right. I would even find like, you know, like colorful pebbles, you know, in the, in the ground. I used to like dig all the time when I was a kid. I used to always dig for stuff. Just, just stuff that people have thrown away. Like I would take that and bring it into the house and make like my own museum for my sister. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'd make, <laughs> I like that. I would like use like one of those labels and like um write my own facts about the 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 artifacts, so to speak, you know, being creative, you know. Uh because I, I remember I watched uh <laughs> my favorite movie was The Mummy. Oh, of course. 
Yeah. Wait, which one? Which version? Uh, Brendan Fraser. Okay, just checking. All right, the yeah, that's good. The, the only, only one that matters. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh my yeah. god, I love that movie. You know, I, I just was heavily influenced by the things I watched, and uh, I would try to, you know, copy what I saw at home. And uh, I was really big into wrestling, like Stone Cold, The Rock. Really big into them. I would try to talk like them or act like them, and. I was really big in The Simpsons. Like, I loved The Simpsons when I was a kid. I used to go to school and try to imitate, you know, Ralph Wiggum's voice or uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Hans the Mole Man, it, it, random characters from the show. And all that stuff was stuff I was into, but it was never like, I want to do this when I get older. It was never like that. I was just really into entertainment in general. Whatever form of it it was, I was just into it. But it was funny because at that age, I wanted to be a botanist. I was I was into like plants. You're all over the place in the best kind of way. I'm always that way, and that also entails like who I am today. Like I'm into everything, every genre of movie or rap or music, whatever the hell it is. Like I'm into everything. I just have an open mind, so to speak. I guess it wasn't until like I was 11 when I realized I wanted to write movies. I just wanted to write them. I wrote a sequel to that movie, The Rock, with Sean Connery. Of course, yeah. I love that movie. And I wrote a sequel to it after watching an episode of uh, Arthur. And Arthur and uh, the crew, they, you know, they wanted to make their own movie, their own 007 movie. And I was like, nigga, I could do that. I could do my movie. Arthur, what's Arthur talking about? And uh, I wrote my own movie. And, uh, you know, I had it in this like magenta binder and it, I got I lost it I don't know where it went I like to think somebody found the binder and made it into their own movie or some shit it, it, yeah man I've always been that type of kid I used to like dress up as like law from Tekken <laughs> like oh, oh was, my god yeah. <laughs> of course I yeah know. man I used to go in the woods looking for fights <laughs> like who want to fight law <laughs> that was who I was dude that's the type of kid I was man and I've always, like, in school, like, I was very, you know, that's the type of guy I was. But, like, at home, you know, I would say I was relatively quiet. You know, like, I was always sort of like, you know, home is where I thought of everything. It's where, like, I brainstormed and I wasn't as eccentric as I was outside the house. You know, uh, you know, I wasn't like that 24-7. And I'm still that way. You know, like, at home, you know, when I'm with the kids, I'm, you know, I got two kids and I'm with them. I'm just very goofy and like, you know, I'm always just playing with them. But when I find time to be, you know, by myself, I'm always in my head, always in my head, always, always in my head. And people in LA who catch me, like just walking down the street while they're driving, they're like, yo, Jermaine, uh, they text me, yo, Jermaine, you okay? And I'm like, I'm good. Why? They like, you look mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm just thinking, <laughs> what you thinking about? Like, I'm always in my head. I'm always just thinking about the next thing. And um, it sort of built into the decision to become a stand-up comedian. At one point, I realized, I thought about it really hard, and I realized, I'm not going to go to college. I'm just not. I don't think I'm going to go to college. Kanye West just dropped this album called uh, College Dropout. <laughs> and he didn't need it. Fuck college. You know, I just wasn't into it. But you went for a little bit, right? I went for two weeks. Oh, oh, wow, real little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to community college for like two weeks and Lupe just came out and I would just like, I would dress like Lupe, SB Dunks, glasses and all that shit. And I just wanted to skateboard all day and do comedy at night. 
And I realized I just want to do stand-up. I just want to do stand-up. And maybe I work during the day and save up enough money to move to New York. And at one point, you know, that's just what I did, man. The decision to do comedy was after I watched Eddie Murphy Raw. My neighbor mm. in my big apartment complex in Hyattsville, uh, his name was Grady. Grady gave me the VHS tape and I watch it every day. And I just saw a lot of how, a lot of like what Eddie did and said on stage reminded me of like how I would make my sister laugh or my little brother laugh, you know, or people at school laugh. It was sort of like just felt similar. And I was like, I can do this. I can, I can do some stand up. I did. And that was the end of that. So and that's the thing. So like, what about that stuck for you? Because I mean, the way you tell it, you could have been you you were writing sequels to action movies that nobody asked for. You were looking for fights in the forest based on like fictional martial arts video game <laughs> characters. You were you were all you wanted to be a botanist. So like, what about when you watch Eddie Murphy special? Like, what about that stuck to you? Like, what about like, what about stand up? made you say like you know what this is it like this is what i want to do you know forget college forget all that this is it like what was it about that it was dave Chappelle. uh he did a uh, interview inside the actor's studio dave said if you want to get into acting get into stand-up and i think someone told him that i haven't seen the interview in years but that was what i realized and then i realized my favorite people started off in stand-up eddie prior Dave, and it just sort of catapulted into you know other avenues opened up different doors i knew that if i just wanted to be an actor i couldn't do it just in maryland dc virginia i felt like i would get stuck if i started there where i felt like if i did stand up i could travel meet other people and perform everywhere but if i did if i acted you know i'm just going to be waiting for the next wire you know what i mean right you know like think about it like new york and la have you know that's where the industries are at the time that's where they were to me and the only thing popping off in maryland when i was coming up the wire just got finished and i remember one of my acting teachers was an extra on it and he was the most famous person in our school (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want that. I was like, I don't want to be no extra in the wire. I don't want that. And I don't want to end up being like him. I don't want to just be teaching at the school for the rest of my life. And I respect him very much, but I, I saw bigger things for myself and um, nothing against extras or anything. That's how I started, by the way, when I got into acting was um, I used to, I used to do extra work for college humor sketches and mm-hmm. they would pay me a hundred bucks a sketch. And and you do four of them, you got 400 bucks. And that was my rent in my little ass apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> so nothing against extras at all. It was just like stand-up FL would open up more doors for me. And um, it did. It, it did. Like, I, I was right. I just had to, it, it just, the grind was tougher in stand-up. Like, you, in stand-up, people will t- let you know immediately if they hate you or if they like you, don't find you funny, find you funny. And some nights it's great. Some nights it's like, God damn, you know, and some nights it's heartbreaking. Some nights it's gratifying. And some nights you, you over, you, you, you second guess your choices in life. <laughs> you know, but that's the crime, man. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. I mean, you know, you get to New York, you're born in DC, raised in Maryland, you know, you make the decision to move to New York. And, you know, I was, I wanted to dig into those early years for you because, you know, it's, it's making in New York is hard enough. 
making it as a stand-up comedian <laughs> in mm. such a saturated city of, yeah. of comedians and actors is like doubly tough so for you I mean like what was what what was that starving artist phase for, for you if you will like and how did those moments form you because I mean it, it could go either way like you could have either you could have been completely broken or you know you obviously went the other way I mean you're again the Jermaine Fowler so so like how did when you think back to those like early years for you I mean like how how did those moments really shape you I look back at those years very fondly those years mean a lot to me they 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 you know when I think about them I just smile very good years those are the years I was on my own like really on my own really on my own and uh some nights were were fun some nights were really hard I remember I was doing comedy in DC for about a year and a half and uh, I had a decision to make. And the decision was stay in Maryland, work at this law firm as an administrative assistant, which I was really good at, and just be comfortable for the rest of my life. Or save up enough money, move to New York and not know where you're going to sleep, where you're going to eat, where you're going to perform. And I chose the latter because... I was young enough to make those mistakes and take a chance. Mm. I just needed to leave Hyattsville. I just needed to see what else was out there. And, you know, I was leaving behind some of my best friends in the world who I still talk to today. You know, dudes who were way funnier than me, way more talented than me, just way better at everything than me. And, you know, I, I, was, I wanted them to come with me. Like, I should come with me, man. You know, y'all would be, y'all be super famous and like, successful, you know, let's, let's roll, let's roll deep again. We'd be like, you know, we'd be like Wu-Tang Clan, a comedy, you know, all that <laughs> shit. And, you know, uh, they decided to stay home. You know, they had their own things to do. And um, I was alone. I had to, I had to, you know, figure out what I was going to, where I was going to live. And there was a comedian named Ryan Connor and Ryan, great dude, like the coolest, one of the coolest dudes I've to this day I've ever known. Let me stay on his couch for a month. And I told him, I was like, yo, man, you know, I just need a place to stay for a month. You know, if I don't find a job or anything in a month, just kick me out. And uh, he let me stay. He let me stay. And uh, he got me into New York pizza and like garlic knots and all these, <laughs> all these New York delicate, you know, all these All things. the classics. Like, I would love to hear about like how you've developed your style as a comedian, developed your style as a performer, because, you know, you really have done, you've done quite a lot, even, even like the extra work. I mean, like you were in uh, like what you mentioned, uh, college humor sketches, you, you know, did work with the Eric Andre show, mm -hmm. uh, you're in the sketch comedy <laughs> show, friends of the people, like you've done, you've done a lot. And that was all in a really short amount of time. And so, you know, through all of that work, I mean, like how, how have you seen yourself grow as a performer have you seen yourself develop by by really having that drive and really you know never getting comfortable i think that's what it was is uh i i don't think i'm ever comfortable i don't think i'm ever complacent i don't think i'm ever happy with something 100 percent, and that's an issue too because like sometimes i have a problem being in the moment being present and just giving myself some credit like a lot, I like a lot of artists have a hard time giving themselves a break, give themselves some credit, pat yourself on the fucking back and stop being your own worst critic sometimes. That's where my drive comes from. I also do have a chip on my shoulder because a lot of people didn't believe in me when I first started. A lot of people wanted me to fail. A lot of people didn't want me to pursue my dreams. I can only count probably 
five people who, who I, to this day, thank, you know, like, thanks for being there in the beginning and, you know, supporting me. I think that chip on my shoulder really does drive me. And uh, it just fuels a lot of like, you know, I want to prove people wrong and also prove something to myself. That's very important to me. It's important for me to also, the growth I have as an artist comes from the growth I've embraced as a person. And to me, like, you can't be a good artist if you don't live life, if you don't take in life, if you're not present. You have to be present. You have to learn from your mistakes, grow from your mistakes. And when I talk about my family and my on stage, I would talk about it from experience. And now that I have, now that I have two kids in my own family and I'm older, I talk about my family from understanding now. Mm. I understand where things come from. Before, it might have felt like I was coming off judgy or angry or in the beginning. But then when I like started to talk to my mom about certain things and my dad about certain things and my little sister about certain things, even my brother and my brothers, like I, I, I understood where they came from and it would just sort of round out, it would round out the material better. You know, like I wasn't coming from one perspective. I was filling up different characters and these stories and in these situations and that's who I am like when I do when I'm on stage or when I'm writing tv shows or movies like I like to fill characters up and talk about it from a different perspective and fill out arcs and you know really make the characters feel full that's all I care about and um I felt like that was missing in my stand-up at one point like it was I was missing a different perspective and so that's when me and my mom started to connect and talk more and shit just got funnier after that. It really, it really just came from just personal growth that I wanted to have. That was, that's when I think the material got better. And it still is. I'm still not the funny. Like, I still don't feel like I'm there just yet where I want to be. Right. But I'm getting there. I'm, I'm slowly getting there. And uh, what hurt a lot of that growth recently was the death of my mom and my, my friend Kevin. After they died, I didn't feel like moving on anymore. I, I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to quit comedy. I wanted to quit acting and I wanted to, I kind of wanted to quit life at one point. Like I wanted mm. to die. Like I just wanted to, I was done, you know, yeah, man. And so, and you know, I had, I had, you know, I had two kids and, um, hold on, man. No, take your time, man. Hold on. Oh. You know, it still hurts to talk about them because um, it's never were, not gonna hurt, man. I mean, you gotta embrace it because that means you you feel something about them. Like, I don't want to ever not cry thinking about my friend and my mom. You know, of like, course not. If I found out no one, if I died and people didn't cry over me, I'd be so mad. I'm like, did you not care? You, haunt, you just haunt the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, I would haunt, that's what haunting happened. <laughs> Remember me, nigga. Remember me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to write that down. That's really funny. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that's that's so funny. But no, I mean, I know because I, you know, I've I saw your I saw I've seen your stand up special, and I know how much your family and the stories of you growing up it's like ingrained in it. And like the one special that you had, like where they there was actually interviews with your mom and your dad and your siblings and stuff. I mean, it's 
it was so interesting because I know, you know, I, I, I knew that, you know, your mom had passed away. And so it was just interesting just watching it, you know, and seeing like, like, wow, you know, like hearing the, the story of like how of her, of her having used you so young and, you know, yeah. just it, it, it was such an interesting touch to that specific special to have the interviews to kind of back it up. Like, no, these stories really did happen. It's like you're on stage giving all of yourself and then you kind of get the perspective of your family. And now it sounds interesting now that you have your own family, you've, you've grown you know, yourself personally, it's, it's even more rounded out. And that's, and again, that's part of life. I mean, this is, this is part of the journey and it's loss is a huge factor of it. And so, you know, it's like, what got you back in it? Cause I mean, you mentioned that this is some, the, these are two huge blows, like a personal blow. And, you know, obviously Kevin was your friend, but he's also, you know, one of your comedic partners. I mean, you guys have done such amazing work together. And so yeah. I guess like what, what kind of got you back in the saddle? What got you back into comedy like because you know you said that at one point you wanted to quit and that's understandable and I'm glad you didn't but what what was it that got you back into into that space to want to to want to do this again I'm still finding it I'm still not a hundred percent back I do still do shows because I'm still trying to find that passion and that love I used to have for it but I don't feel like I'm a hundred percent me on stage yet I'm still finding it. And when like like recently when I when I do shows, I feel like I'm half in, half out. Like I'm still learn I'm still learning how to ride this bike again. I'm I'm dead serious. Like even, yeah. you know, even um taking this nine-month lockdown, you know, break from stand-up, it sort of helped, but it it hasn't helped in a way too. So I get back on stage because like, you know, I just I love people, man. I just love performing in front of people. I love making them laugh. That's, that's something that I just will never not love to do. And um, the one thing that made me kind of just perk up about stand-up again was talking to my therapist and my friend Josh and uh, Rabinowitz. He was in Friends of the People as well. And so I closed this deal with Showtime to release my next comedy film. I don't like saying special anymore because uh, it's kind of deeper than that right now. It's something else. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know what the term is yet. Maybe we'll find it on this interview, but <laughs> I'm releasing this comedy film with Showtime and I called Josh panicking like, what the fuck did I just do? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I just, <laughs> I don't want to do this no more. Like, I don't even feel funny anymore. Like, I don't even, I'm comfortable where I'm at. And then... I thought about what I said, like the word comfortable. And I'm exactly. like, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, fuck comfortable. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to be comfortable, not as an entertainer. I want to get better. I want to grow. I want to show the world that I've grown. And the last special was in 2015, 16. Shit is fucking changing. They deserve to be updated on me and my family and what's going on. And because people change too. And I think I want to motivate and inspire people. And uh, that's why I do what I do. And so, cause I've been through so fucking much, man. And yeah. there are people who've been through way worse than me and don't can't and don't understand why and don't know how to deal with it. And at one point I didn't know how to deal with it either. And I'm still learning how to. And so I think it helps to hear other people go through the same shit that you've gone through to just understand that they're not alone. So I spoke to my therapist after me and Josh had a, like just, <laughs> just, we were just having a good time about just this idea of me regretting doing this comedy special again or this comedy 
thing. Experience, film. Experience, film, <laughs> events, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? <laughs> and so uh, I called my therapist and we talked. And he said, you know, I think after your mom and after Kevin died, because they were so huge in your life and in huge pieces of your art, when they died, a piece of that enthusiasm died with them, you know? And you just don't feel connected to stand-up anymore because that connection is gone. And so I was like, I just started bawling. And it's just, that's how I felt deep down. And so he said, uh, why don't you find a way to connect them to your art again, even though they're not here with you physically, like find a way. And that was something I had to figure out. Like, how can I connect them to my art again and find a way to, you know, how can I feel inspired again? And I found it. And it'll be, you'll see what that connection is when you see the next project that I'm working on uh, for Showtime. And uh, that's something I'm very proud of. It's something I think is hilariously dark and, and funny as shit. And it's just me. It's just, it's just me. But also, like, I love, I love Kevin and I love, I love my mom, but I had to find those reasons for myself. You know, of course, and right. I had to move on for myself. I had to find that closure for me because when you do stuff for other people, you'll never you're doing it for the wrong reason. You know, you should always do things for yourself always. And um, that's what I had to find. So I found it and um, I feel like a new person, like I feel like a different I feel like I've reached a, you know, a different level of understanding now. And uh, I want to I want to get back on stage and fucking just share that shit with everybody that's something special man okay so i definitely think we need a break here everyone just take a breath in let it out okay when we come back jermaine talks about his full circle moment working on coming to america and what he's learned from the greats like eddie murphy and Whoopi goldberg or at least what he's willing to share This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. When it comes to, you know, some of your acting credits, like I mentioned before, I mean, you've had some shows that, in my opinion, had all the potential in the world, but, you know, for whatever reason, didn't get off the ground because I encourage everyone who's watching to go watch the pilot for Dolores and Jermaine because that was so good. <laughs> like, oh, thanks, man. That was so good. And I was like, why was this show never picked up? And of course, you know, you're you're attached to the the In Living Color reboot. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, of course, there's uh, your show Superior Donuts that did make a tear on CBS. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, it was cut way too short just after two seasons. And so, you mm-hmm. know, when you've when you've created something that doesn't quite go as planned, I mean, what what do you take away from that? I mean, like, is it, I, I know that there, there's definitely probably some, you know, part of your brain that's just like, all right, on to the next one. You kind of, you, 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 you have to keep rolling with it. But mm-hmm. I guess like, as like, how do you, how do you, what do you take away from that? Like, how do you process that? Because this is, it's very solid work that I don't know if it's just bad timing or if there's just not a market for it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're, you're submitting amazing work, but it's just not, it's not finding it's not finding the momentum. So like, I mean, how do you deal with that as a creative? Cause that can be, that can be a huge blow to someone. It could be. Yeah. I mean, at the time it was I probably had like about seven or eight failed pilots, something like that. And uh, I think Chappelle had nine. So I'm just catching up to him. 
But on some real shit, like I put my heart and my soul and my, my all my energy into everything that I do. Dolores and Jermaine, Superior Donuts, everything. Everything that I've ever worked on. And when it doesn't, you know, when it gets canceled or when it pilot doesn't get picked up, in the moment, it's disappointing. I think about, you know, the, <laughs> the other actors, the, you know, the, the other people who, the crew, the producers, everyone who, you know, could have used the job. You know what I mean? Like, I think about that and I'm like, damn, I, I, I let them down. Like, I think about that too. And uh, of course you want it to go. And a part of me is like, I got to move on to the next joint. Like, I, I have to move on. And not because I was never 100% into the, the, the current project. It's just, that's sort of the game we play in this industry. Also, on top of that, this is all part of my story. This is all part of my individual story. When I look back at my career and um, I start to do even bigger things and crazier projects and I'll do more interviews like this and, and I'll, I'll look back fondly at the pilots and the canceled shows and all those other projects very fondly and just say, ah, oh, man, yeah, so this happened because that needed to happen. This didn't happen because this, I wasn't ready for that. It, it just sort of all is going to make sense the further I go along. I look back at like Kurt Russell and Robert Pattinson and like their careers. And I see like Kurt Russell started off doing um, network TV shows. And at one point he wanted to shed that all the way and just, you know, become a serious actor. So he teamed up with John Carpenter. I see the same thing with um, Robert Pattinson. Um, he wanted to shed that corny vampire shit off. And, <laughs> you know, he wanted to do more substantial projects. And they had to fail along that way. They had right. to fail. There's some movies that didn't work out for them, um, especially Kurt, especially Rob. Like, you know, they had to hit those speed bumps and those, those, those potholes in the road to get where they are right now. Listen, the journey is not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. And no one I respect has had that. <laughs> no one I look up to has had that type of career. If it was, then that's not a fun interview at all. You know? <laughs> um, right. and, yeah, man. I, I just know what, for what I want to do, where I want to be in a couple years, I will look back at those, those failed projects and honestly, what is a failure? Like, what is a failure? I, how, do you, how, do you, how do you define that? I think that's how you, it, it depends on your definition of a failure, you know? A thousand Maybe, percent, yeah. You know, like I had to, the Dolores and Jermaine pilot, maybe there was a reason I didn't go. Maybe I learned something from that to get to this. And same thing with Superior Donuts. And, and that's sort of the, the outlook you should have on life. Because if you don't, you're going to, look at yourself as a failure and become that bitter, jaded, like, you know, asshole mm -hmm. people. And that's not who I want to be. I want to look at everything as a stepping stone and like, you know, a, a learning experience, uh, you know, for to, to get to where I want to be. So I don't look back at those, those experiences with any malice or any disappointment or hate or anything today. I, I look back at it and go, okay, all right, this is going to be just sort of part of the story I tell people. And that's that's really just it. Right. I mean, you listen, you need to find that magenta folder with the rock sequel in it. Because, <laughs> you know, 
that that's your open. It's probably on the blacklist somewhere. Someone probably picked it up and it's like it's just waiting to be developed. on crayon. <laughs> but okay, I mean, so I know that you know you. Oh my God, I cannot. This this has to be such a full circle moment for you when it comes to starring and coming to America. The sequel, yeah. coming to <laughs> number two of America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because, I mean, you mentioned that Eddie Murphy watching his special Raw was what really kind of set that spark for you for stand-up. And now here you are and stepping into this uh, truly iconic <laughs> comedy. So, yeah. I mean, how how was that for you? Like, what, like how, is, how has that experience been? Because, I mean, this is just, I mean, aside from Eddie Murphy, I mean, you're working alongside just so many legends. So what what has this process been like for you as, you know, not only not only just like, you know, uh, uh, someone who's who does comedy and and does acting, but, you know, someone who's just like this is this is this is you. I mean, this is like this is your this is sort of like your ministry you know like this is like you're like step you're stepping into this like really really iconic franchise now so i mean how's that been for you it's hard to answer that question with words you know there's what can you say like what can interpretive dance then yeah (laughs) african dance like I, i i don't i like I told you, Eddie got me into stand-up watching Eddie Murphy Raw on VHS tape. And, you know, what was that, 2007, 2006, 2007? Nine years, nine years later, or let's see, nine, no. I was like, about 14 years later, I'm working with him. And uh, it's... You know, I, I I see him in his element, and I hear him talk. I listen, and being in his presence, man, it, it just it's something it's something to truly marvel at. It's like, ah, man, he's just to me like the greatest, like the greatest. And it's funny, like we on set and we 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 talk about Pryor so much, and we agree that he's the greatest, but deep down, I'm like, nigga, you the greatest. <laughs> like, you know, we both love Pryor, like just truly love him. And um, I just learned so much listening to him speak about what he's into and what inspires him. And he, he damn near 58 and the, the dude hasn't missed a beat. Still is, you know, just the funniest dude ever and, and has, hasn't lost any probably even funnier you know like when i when i when i, when I told you earlier like the, the the words to find for this how i'm feeling aren't there i really meant that there aren't right. any words to explain and you know what can you say man like what he really is just like my favorite person and all this shit right so to work <laughs> with him to work with him and talk to him and get to know him and um share scenes with him comedic scenes and dramatic scenes shit man that, that shit was great and that's what that's what i mean in addition to eddie murphy i mean we didn't even mention for those who aren't familiar i mean on superior donuts you worked with judd hirsch, hirsch. on the dolores on um, dolores and jermaine uh pilot your whoopee was dolores so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. like you have you have rubbed shoulders with like you know comedic icons and so i mean what what if any i mean it's probably something i mean you're still very much in it but i mean are there any 
um, you know, pearls of wisdom or just any, any, any advice that they, that they've given to you, because, you know, like I said, this is, you're, you're, you're still, you got so much further to go in your career. And I know everyone's excited to see like where you go next, but yeah. you know, in along the way, you've, you have worked very closely with these, with these icons of, of, of your genre. So, you know, like what, I guess like what, what, what's some of, do you have any valuable takeaways that, that, that you've gotten from? I say this, you know, um, I don't like to share a lot of, of, of what they, the advice they've given me. Okay. Fair. Cause it, fair. Cause, cause it's mine, you know, yeah. it, it's, you know like, how much you want for it? How much, how much you want for it? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to share it. I do want to share it, but those are moments that I'll always keep, you know, uh, with me. Cause yeah. there's some things you should cherish. And, you know, I feel like we live in a day and age where people don't cherish enough information and, experiences and stuff what judd and ed and whippy have shared with me like i'll always but i will say this i'll tell you what they've inspired me to do to be real like i talked to judd hirsch has inspired me to really embrace drama within comedy mm. um mm-hmm. even in the multicams like i watch multicams these days and they just feel like they're missing theater they're missing broadway they're missing that kinetic energy that um they, that they used to have you know, like the old, the old school Norman Lear um, programs that felt like you're watching a stage play. Like they don't feel like that anymore. So that's what me and Judd were in to bring into certain scenes. That's what me, Diane and um, um, Maz and Dave and, you know, uh, 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 Katie, that's what we all wanted to bring to the show. Um, we wanted to bring like, uh, you know, um, uh, Anna and, you know, uh, um Darren like we all just wanted like we all wanted that show to feel like you're watching a a play and we got the perfect director and we had the perfect you know um um platform to do so so we wanted we wanted everything to feel like you you know kind of like a throwback to be honest and you know Judd was just the perfect person to help us get there and I learned a lot sharing scenes with him and sharing scenes with Katie and the cast was just one of a kind that's why and, I said Superior Donuts didn't last as long as it should have. It was I don't, so it good. Definitely didn't. I agree with you because like season three, we all had plans for the show. We all had plans. First of season, course. you're kind of feeling it out. Second season, you're like, all right, okay. And third season, you're in your pocket. You know, just, you know. And that's my issue with TV these days. Nothing has time to really grow. Yes. Everybody wanted to be perfect now. Whatever. I believe in growth and I believe TV deserves its, you know, time to really figure itself out. It's a fucking TV show that you're figuring out sometimes the day before it airs. Yeah. And so in multicam too, like sometimes you're figuring it out the night, you know, and we definitely, we're still figuring the show out. We're things that we wanted to, you know, uh, figure out for Katie's character and, you know, uh, Diane's and mine and just, anyway, I think it got canceled prematurely, but that happens. Of um, course. I learned from Whoopi, man, Whoopi, like she has so many layers to herself that I just, truly appreciate she can do anything literally anything probably the most talented person in the world and her ideas just pure creativity like you know i remember we were talking about the pilot and before we shot it she had some pitches like she wanted to pitch this she wanted to pitch that and uh i was sort of just like my mouth agape just sort of like wow i'm sharing ideas with (laughs) goldberg and 
she's uh she's fucking hilarious and she's beautiful and she's just got this aura about her that just exudes you know just legend you know she's a fucking legend so i i think that was the most nervous i was around anybody probably really i was learning who she was probably that the 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 weeks leading up to shooting the pilot mm-hmm. and we were learning each other i was getting to know her more and more as we were filming and you know developing and getting to know her man was just just amazing man i want to i really i want to do more with her like i want to i want to definitely want to write something with her like i want to do I, I really like her She's done so much, man. Like, Whoopi fucking Goldberg, dude. Like, I know. Listen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> about everything. She's been my childhood. You know what I mean? Like, my my childhood from every everything she's done has I've seen. Everything she's done, I have fucking seen everything. And uh, I I wanna God. I even like brought like I didn't realize I bought these circular sunglasses. <laughs> I didn't realize you know I, 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 I said, these are Whoopi glasses. I didn't realize. I, you know what I mean? Like, cause I thought I was buying them because I watched Leon the Professional. Oh no, no, uh, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, no, these are Whoopi glasses. Yeah, yeah, man. I was like, man, this ain't these ain't Leon glasses. These Whoopi glasses. Oh um, man, she just sort of influenced a lot, man. Of um, course, she made me want to be just like dynamic, you know, like just dynamic, like to about everything, like from being on stage to being like a good actor, you know, like she, she can do anything, and that's been that's been a big motivation when I, when I, when I was working with her was to just everything you do, be good at it. <laughs> She's good at everything. I love her, man. So at this point in your career, everything that you've learned, everything you've absorbed, everything you've done, how have you come to define creativity? What does that mean to you? Creativity to me is not taking into account anything but what you bring, embracing you you know, embracing what makes you unique and not worrying about other people, not gauging success or creativity from other people. Of course, there are going to be people that inspire you, like Frank Ocean for me and Tyler. And there's a handful of artists that stretch different platforms that inspire me, all types, painters, architects, authors, winemakers like i'm into everything like i told you earlier like i'm into everything so i get inspired yeah Yeah, you know what i mean and so um i've learned that sometimes in the pursuit of sponging in all types of creativity it's easy to lose who you are in that in that process and it's okay to step back from all that and recognize what makes you awesome what makes you creative Mm-hmm. And not being afraid to exude that, share that in whatever writer's room you're in, whatever project you're on, whatever, whatever you're developing, no one is like you. No one will ever be like you. There's only one you. Don't spend your life trying to make people comfortable and make people understand you because who gives a fuck? You, you know, when it's, said, when it's all said and done, what are you going to regret the most, you know? trying to make people understand or are you going to say fuck it and just go for go for broke and you know not give a fuck about failure and success because none of that matters 
success does not matter. Like failure does not matter. Nothing, none of that matters. What matters is that you fucking tried <laughs> to do <laughs> what made you, you. That's it. And that's what I think creativity means to me. Nice. Oh, man. Jermaine, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been, uh, not, even, not only thank you for your time, thank you for just your vulnerability, like your honesty. I mean, this has <laughs> yeah. just been a real pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. Likewise, dude. Um, I'm going to be real. Like, you know, uh, I, it's it's refreshing when you, you know, you're talking to somebody, you know, that can open up and like even share specific like you were talking you were giving me things back too you know <laughs> and uh I, I, mean, like, I, I appreciate that so no thank you. thank you and just yeah just keep doing what you're doing and i'm really really looking forward to that special because that's just going to be like mind-blowing i think so thank you thank you thanks for listening to creative conversation make sure to rate comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and happy new year as the calendar gods would have it this episode is coming to you on new year's eve so i hope you're having a safe and socially distant holiday i'll see you in 2021